Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. This week in Revolt Black News, structures are breaking. Now, on one hand, there's the U.S. Senate, who's trying to improve the frameworks of holding up this very country by working on the infrastructure. But on the other, our concern mutually turns to the systems and fabrics abroad that are having a damn hard time standing up, literally. Over in Haiti, the 7.2 magnitude earthquake has completely devastated the Caribbean country, impacting over 1 million people and tragically taking upwards of 2,000 souls. Over in Afghanistan, the Taliban has seized control and the people are scrambling. Several women have already been reported missing and every single time a person hears that knock on their door, they have to wonder if that door structure is just moments from coming down. So listen, we're gonna look at all of it, including our kids who are headed back to school because our children's education is the most vital structure for our future. And while we examine the interstructures here and across the globe, today I ask this, will you hold these structures to your standards or will you let them fall to the wayside? Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now with today's theme, we wanted to start by having a conversation about how to build back our structures. And of course, one way to do that is about talking about infrastructure. So joining me today is Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Adeyemo. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. When we hear the term infrastructure, uh, a lot of people don't know what that exactly is. Uh, we do know that there's been a trillion dollar infrastructure package recently passed by the United States Senate. Uh, we'd love to know a bit about how that package will impact us specifically when it comes to the Black American community. I think the first thing we should think about when we think about infrastructure is jobs. Uh, the infrastructure package is going to create, on average, 2 million jobs a year um, when combined with the rest of the president's economic proposals, which will be jobs that, for Black Americans. Uh, we saw in last month's jobs report that we saw Black unemployment come down significantly. But as you know well, Ebony, um, Black unemployment is still too high in this country. The president recognizes it's important that through the pandemic, we do things to support um, those who have suffered the most, like what the Black community. But as we get past the pandemic, we also need to create jobs. And that's why he's so focused on both the infrastructure package, but also his human capital package where he's investing in people. So when you think about infrastructure, in addition to it being jobs, it's also putting in pipes 
throughout the country to get rid of lead, which will mean that our children are drinking clean water. It also has to do with investing in things like broadband technology. Before I came to Treasury, I was living on the south side of Chicago, and there are so many families there who didn't have access to broadband technology, which would allow their children to be able to go to school remotely. So when, you th when we think about infrastructure, it's the normal things like streets and roads and pipes, but it's also things like broadband, which are critical to making sure that Black children have opportunities um, in the 21st century. Let me ask you this, Deputy Secretary. Uh, recently, we reported here on Revolt Black News uh, the devastation that many Americans, Black Americans in particular, were facing as it related to the expiration of the eviction moratoriums. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what, if any, rental assistance uh, that this uh, trillion-dollar infrastructure package will offer? Ebony, you know this well, but um, even before COVID-19, um, too many Black people were being evicted in this country. Um, and the president recognized that the pandemic has only added to this because in addition to facing eviction because of a loss of a job or a change in income status, you're also dealing with a global pandemic. That's why he asked Congress for emergency rental assistance money to make sure that while we have a moratorium in place, people actually have access to the ability to pay, pay off their past due rent so they won't be evicted when the moratorium ends. So what I'd, I think the most important thing we can do is make sure that those people, your, listen, your, your viewers who are watching today, know that they can go to consumerfinance.gov slash rental help to find out how they can get access to money that will help them pay their past due rent, their utility bills, in order to make sure that they can stay in their homes throughout the pandemic. Another element um, of this package and, and, and the work that your office is doing talks around this uh, child tax credit. Uh, we know that that's a huge thing. We know it started at the beginning of the summer. Can you talk a little bit about who would be eligible for that de deputy secretary and how that application would apply? How does it make a difference in the day to day? So Ebony, the vast majority of Americans are eligible for the child tax credit. Uh, last month, we gave out checks to 61 million American children's families in order to make sure that they had the money to help pay for things like food and helping get their kids ready to go back to school. And it comes down to a fundamental belief that you shouldn't have to choose between paying your rent and paying for food for your children. That's why we've offered the advanced child tax credit. Uh, we, the vast majority of Americans have already taken advantage of it. But for those of your viewers who have children under the age of 17, they should go to child taxcredit.gov and apply for the child tax credit and check their eligibility status because we want to make sure that parents throughout this country have the resources they need to invest in our country's most precious resource, our children. Indeed they are. Um, now we've talked a good bit about the policy of the bill itself and how it will impact uh, the future of Black Americans here. Uh, a little bit about the politics, if you don't mind, Deputy Secretary. It seems to be a little bit of division within the party, uh, the Democratic Party, of course, I'm speaking about in terms of how this budget really lays out. Can you speak a little bit about how you anticipate that being resolved? So, Ebony, the president's laid out a plan, one that speaks to not only members of the Democratic Party, 
but also to people in the Republican Party and to all Americans, a plan that is focused on the idea that we need to make long held investments in our country's infrastructure and in our human capital. Um, we saw this recently that a bipartisan majority came together in the Senate to pass the infrastructure plan. And when you look at the Build Back Better plan, it includes elements that have been supported by Democrats and Republicans throughout the years. And our view is that Congress will take up both of these things and will pass them and send them to the president's desk because they're essential to America's future. Um, most of my career has been spent working on national security. Um, trying to keep the country safe. And one of the things that's critical there is making sure that America can be as competitive as possible. Doing that means investing in the black community, in the white community, in all Americans to make sure that we have the resources we need to compete against the world. And that's what the president's proposal does. Any more parting resources you want to leave the viewers with um, as they figure out how to make themselves available to some of this emergency rental assistance programming, um, the tax credit, uh, for children and anything else, uh, Deputy Secretary. Most important message to your viewers, Ebony, is the fact that we all know that getting through the pandemic is extremely difficult, especially for communities of color. That's why through the American Rescue Plan, the president has proposed a number of things to help people from the mental emergency rental assistance to the child tax credit that we want your viewers to take advantage of because we want to make sure that they're able to make it from this end of the pandemic to the end of this pandemic. Um, and we appreciate the fact that doing this is important not only to each one of your families, but it's important to our country to make sure that we're best positioned to compete going forward. So thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. All right, Wally Edemayo, thank you so much. We appreciate you for joining us and sharing these very important resources and information. Now y'all stick with us because up next we got your headlines and much more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome to Revolt Black News. Here are this week's headlines. We start with Afghanistan. Now, as the Taliban has taken control and seized all major cities, including the capital of Kabul, the Taliban's chief spokesman said this on Tuesday. We don't want Afghanistan to be a battlefield anymore. From today onward, war is over. Now, since taking power, however, as seen on most social media sites, the Afghan people have been in a dire state of panic. There have been numerous reports of women already going missing and teenage girls as young as 12 years old being forced into marriage. Now, the Taliban has repudiated that, but here were some of the women speaking out from undisclosed locations. It's jihad for us now, right? We have to fight our own jihad for our own rights. So we evolve. We may, we have come up with new strategies. We find new solutions, right? The world, the Taliban, or any person who thinks, okay, things need to get back to normal needs to ensure that women have that educational rights. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. 
Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Not just Islamic studies rights, and at the same time working rights. And protests have erupted in the Northeast, where reports of Afghans have taken to the streets and attempted to reinstall the national flag. This footage was released and alleges to show the Taliban firing on the crowd. Let's look. Thirteen protesters have been reported injured and three dead. Now, earlier this week, President Joe Biden had the opportunity to speak on the United States' decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. Here's what the president had to say. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. I always promised the American people that I would be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. Over now to Haiti. The 7.2 magnitude earthquake has impacted over 1 million people. That includes half a million children. Almost 10,000 people have been reportedly injured and were devastated to report that tragically almost 2,000 souls have been reported dead. Now, this too is a very scary situation. So later on in the show, we have an entire segment where we're going to cover it and also provide resources. In the meantime, of course, to our people in Haiti, know that you are not alone. We are with you, and please stay tuned to the conversation. In other news, according to a complaint filed by an official with the National Labor Relations Board, Home Depot enforced a dress code to target employees who wore Black Lives Matter apparel. Now, the complaint alleges that in 2020, one employee in Minneapolis was suspended and told to stop their activism or find another job. A Home Depot spokeswoman, Sarah Gorman, says that the complaint misrepresents the relevant facts and that they are fully committed to diversity and respect for all people. And in COVID news, the Texas Department of State Health Services has requested five mortuary trailers after a surge in COVID-19 cases. As of Tuesday, only 327 ICU beds were available in Texas, and there were almost 12,000 lab-confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has tested positive for COVID-19. His office says that he plans to isolate in the governor's mansion, that he is fully vaccinated, in good health, and currently experiencing no symptoms. And it's official. The Biden administration is effectively rolling out a COVID-19 booster shot for most Americans eight months after becoming fully vaccinated. With more on this, we're bringing in White House Vaccinations Coordinator, Dr. Bashira Shuker. Thanks for joining us, doctor. Can you tell us a little bit more about this rollout that we're going to see next month? So starting September 20th, when it's eight months since you've gotten your second shot, 
it will be time for you to get your booster uh, dose and you will be able to go uh, to more than 80,000 locations across the country that are offering the, the vaccine. The, the fact remains that if you're unvaccinated, it is really, really important that you get vaccinated. We know that the overwhelming majority of people who are hospitalized today because of COVID-19 are unvaccinated. We know that the overwhelming majority of people who are dying from COVID-19 are unvaccinated. And as for individuals who received the Johnson & Johnson one-shot dosage, what's the forecast on a tentative plan for them? Keep in mind, we've started administering the J&J &J vaccine in March of 2021. That's more than three and a half months after we started the mRNA vaccine. So we're gonna need a little bit more time to get the data, to understand the data, and we do anticipate to get some data in the next few weeks. Once we have those data in hand, our CDC and FDA colleagues will be able to make a recommendation on when you would need a booster dose for the J&J &J vaccine. Indeed, uh, we thank you so much for those important updates. Dr. Shukir, thank you so much. And we hope to bring you back to the show with any additional updates. The TSA has extended the federal mask mandate through January 18th, 2022. Now, those traveling on commercial flights, buses, and trains will have to abide by the measures. And the extension will, of course, cover the busiest travel days of the year, those being Thanksgiving and, of course, all of the December holidays. And in international COVID news, New Zealand has now confirmed its first positive case of COVID-19 in six months. They have thus entered a lockdown. Now, it's been reported that the positive COVID case came from a 58-year-old man who was unvaccinated and traveling throughout the country. New Zealand has a population of about 5 million people and has had reportedly fewer than 3,000 COVID-19 cases and 26 deaths. And the Biden administration has shipped its first batch of the 500 million COVID-19 doses that they've pledged to ship globally. Now, this initial batch consisted of 488,000 doses of Pfizer, and they were sent to Rwanda. The United States plans to share 200 million doses by the end of the year. All right, that's going to do it for this week's headlines. Up next, Haitian-American and congressional candidate Sheila Sherfalis McCormick joins me to talk about all of the devastation that's happening right now in Haiti. It's very important, y'all. We've got some resources for you. We've got much more Revolt Black News after this. back to Revolt Black News. Now, as we continue our conversation today about structures breaking, we very obviously and sadly have to talk about the devastating earthquake that took place over the weekend in Haiti. Joining me today is Haitian American and Democratic candidate for the United States House of Representatives for Florida's 20th Congressional District, Sheila Sherfalis McCormick. Thank you so much for joining us, Sheila. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Sheila. We know Haiti has suffered a, a, just a devastating amount of loss here in this recent 7.2 magnitude earthquake this past weekend. Now we've got Tropical Storm Grace also slamming down on the small country. Currently, the death toll is alarmingly high at almost 2,000 people. 
What can you tell us right now about the current state of safety and um, security of the Haitians on the ground? And of course, we here at Revolt Black News want to know how your personal family is doing. Are they okay? Well, our personal family, um, they're located and it took us some time to find everyone, but we did. Most people are sheltering in place and they're safe. It's just really the rescue effort trying to find if there's any life or if anybody's still buried. Oh, indeed. Um, and from your understanding, Sheila, about uh, the Haitians that are on the ground in the country, um, sheltering in place in any other um, I don't know, challenges that they might be having around reaching family outside of the country or inside? Yes, well, most of the Haitians who were there, they, for the first few days, were kind of helping themselves, trying to pull people out from the rubble. And so with that kind of self kind of help, it was very difficult for everyone. Um, it was cr heart crunching and heartbreaking trying to locate family members. But now, since there's been aid that has come to the country, we have been able to locate, people have been move to safe places and they're able to communicate with their family members. So we thank God every day that we do have people in the country now to help us, but there's still a great need for more medical professionals to help the rescue efforts. There's just so many people who are being buried and who they're pulling out, but not having enough people there to actually help them, bandage them, to help broken legs and arms. So that's really the concern is the medical help necessary to pull people out while the time is ticking. Indeed it is. Uh, Sheila, can you also speak to how all of this will impact Haiti's economic growth and repair, which we'll get to in a second, already was uh, a point of continued uh, you know, repair work from the 2010 hurricane? Right. So in 2010, what we saw with the earthquake, the efforts were... Um the, the earthquakes were disastrous, the efforts, the relief efforts. We saw that there was over 600, $657 million that came into the country, but only 2% actually went to the Haitian people. It, there was a large amount of uncoordinated efforts that came into the country. There was a lot of donations that came in. Those donations actually, um, they overshadowed the local businesses. And so we found that the economy was actually reverting instead of thriving. And so what we're really trying now is to kind of have a coordinated effort in which we're leaning towards sustainability and not really dependency. And that is the goal and that should be the goal for every ally that's coming into the to Haiti at this time. What did you think that the recovery of the country looked like before and how would you compare it to what it looks like right now? Well, we saw in 2010 that with the efforts that were coming in, there was a lack of cultural competency and there was kind of a rushing in. And so what we're proposing is that we need to make sure that every organization, especially in the United States, that we're leaning more on the Haitian American organizations within the community. We have over 15% Haitian Americans that actually live in the United States who do have the cultural competency to go into Haiti and to assist. And most importantly, they know how to, they know the country. And so we have organizations such as the National um, Haitian American elected officials who have resources and have identified certain organizations that have been actually doing work in Haiti for years. We also have the National Association of Haitian American Nurses who can give aid to Haiti. We have the, Haitian, the National Haitian Association of Doctors. The list goes on and on and on. And so what I'm really hoping is that we learn from our mistakes and we lean on the people who have been doing the work for years and we lean on the Haitian diaspora, which is in the United States. We have the resources here and we just need to lean on them, especially since there is no Haitian American in Congress right now. We have to lean on the elected officials who are present to help us. 
So when it comes to where you think and would like global um, volunteers and people that want to you know, open their wallets and hearts to the Haitian people right now, where would you have them go by way of organization? Because I know it's very specific that we get these organizations mm -hmm. correct. Well, yes, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, um, there was a lot of money that didn't get to the Haitian people. And not, let, let's not forget what happened in 2010, which is imperative for now, that the Red Cross said they were going to be building a whole bunch of homes and they raised over a half a million, but they did not. They only built six homes. And so we had a whole bunch of Haitians during the earthquake who had no place to live. And so if a, com if a corporation, a nonprofit like the Red Cross, can, that can happen to them. We have to be cautious with a lot of other organizations. Um, we don't know the, the reasons for it, but what we do know now is that we have to learn from our past. So what I'm asking is that when people look at organizations, especially Haitian American organizations within the United States, there are bodies that are actually referring people to who they should actually donate to and partner with. We have also FOCAL, which has has been serving Haiti for years. They have a great leader who is Haitian American and who has been doing um, outreach efforts. I would definitely donate to FOCAL. I would definitely donate also to the Gaskoff Foundation, which has been doing a lot of efforts in Haiti continuously. And that's what you want to see before you donate. Who has been there? Who has been there doing the work continuously? Who really has the heart for Haitian people and the Haitian American diaspora? And I can tell you 100% that these organizations, they're led by Haitian Americans. Americans, they know the community, they know the cultural competency, they're there for the people. But if you also go onto the website for NEON, which is a National Haitian American Elected Officials Network, they have a list of organizations there that they're personally recommending. And I think that holds a lot of weight that we actually have Haitian American elected officials that are identifying key organizations that will go into Haiti and do the work. We're going to learn from our mistakes this time. I truly believe that. And conversations like this bring us closer towards that. All right, Sheila, thank you so much for all that you're doing to make sure you're helping in the relief effort in Haiti. And on that note, Haitian-American singer-songwriter Stacy Barth joins us with a word. Thank you, Stacy. Hey, y'all, what's going on? It's Stacy Barth here, and I'm a Haitian-American singer-songwriter. And, um, you know, with the devastating earthquake that just happened a couple of days ago, it's just been heavy on my heart. Well, I wrote a song for Haiti, um, which was crazy because I did it when I came back from performing at Marshall Montano's wedding. So I wrote a song called Bon Dieu Bon, and in my language that means God is good. And the lyric is saying, When te fait, non yanti kai en paille, elle est la plie, tout bagaille envahi. Maintenant ensemble, le coucher sous même cabane, Si c'est pour famille, c'est ça me besoin toute ma vie, ça dit. Adieu, adieu, oh, gardien bon Dieu bon. 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 Si c'est pour famille, c'est ça me besoin toute ma vie. That means that's all I would ever need is my family. And then I Oh my goodness, look how good God is. Because regardless of what happens, we're going to be okay. To everyone in the culture here in the States and everywhere abroad, let's keep this energy going, please. These are our brothers and sisters, and the diaspora is huge. It's broad. It's whether you're Afro Latina, African, African American, Afro Caribbean, we are all part of the diaspora. 
And that's what makes us so beautiful. And what also makes us beautiful is our compassion for each other. So, Haiti, we stand with you, we pray for you, and we are coming. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. It's your girl Bex, Francois, and I'm hosting this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. And joining me in the celebration this week is media personality and host, Jameer Pond. Let's jump right into it. Hi, Jameer. Hey, Bex. Proud moment for me to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Legendary actress and choreographer Debbie Allen is being honored at the 2021 Primetime Emmy set to take place in September. Miss Allen will be receiving the Governor's Award for her unprecedented achievements in television and her commitment to inspire. Debbie Allen has been a legend for decades and is more than deserving of the award. How exciting is this, Jameer? Man, it's about damn time, right? Like, Debbie Allen has been a force in the industry, especially for Black people, um, mm-hmm. specifically for Black mm-hmm. women for, like you mentioned, decades. Um, as a director, mm-hmm. as an actress, as a dancer, as an artist. And she can still bust a plie. What? Hello? I can't bust a plie. What? What? Uh, a no, plie. Still has eight counts. We we need to give Debbie Allen as many flowers as she can hold, and even if she can't hold them, fill them up the room. Fill up the room, all of it. Give her give her a garden. Yes. Give her a garden. Deserves the highly anticipated Aretha Franklin biopic Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson, has hit streaming, and critics everywhere are giving it high praise. Of course. Jennifer Hudson was handpicked by Miss Aretha Franklin herself for the film, which also stars Marlon Wayans. Jameer, did you happen to cast Jennifer's duet? duet. Jameer, did you happen to cast Jennifer's duet with Aretha's granddaughter at the premiere? I actually did get to catch the duet, as some people say. Uh, <laughs> but do I did I caught the duet uh, with with uh. With <laughs> I got to do it. Um, I, I really appreciate the fact that God sprinkled a lot of talent on that family because for 15 years old, um, Grace Franklin, uh, her name, was incredible singing at that premiere. She didn't know it was on the spot. Jennifer was like, hey, look, uh, you're the granddaughter. You're going to have to come up there and sing something. And she right. knocked it over the floor. <laughs> And Beats by Dre is partnering up with Macro to bring HBCU students' film dreams to life. The two companies are giving four Atlanta HBCUs the opportunity to bring current and alumna students together to pitch their Hollywood ideas. Winners of the contest will be able to attend the Black Beats Creator Summit as well as the Macro Lodge at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. Wow. How awesome is that, Jameer? I mean, I would say pretty awesome. Uh, just because, like, as an <laughs> HBCU alumna, alumni, as somebody who graduated from HBCU, uh, shout out to Lincoln University. Um, I think, I think it's so important. Um, we're over often overlooked when it comes to uh, talent 
when, when it comes to the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. for Beats by Dre to be doing something like this for HBCU students, it's incredible. It's life changing, and it gives uh, it gives these students a, a, a higher advantage that they might mm-hmm. not have ever gotten. And so I'm so proud to be an alumni of an HBCU. Alumni. Yeah. Push the button. We're Absolutely. gonna go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And kudos to Macro. They've been killing it on the um, cinema front and the phone front. And I believe most Ooh. recently doing um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, so Ooh. partnering with them and bringing all of that talent and cultivating the talent. What's up, everyone? It's Boss Britt. And it's DJ Excel. If you're a fan of the queer culture and lifestyle, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the No Homo Show. We're a show that shares true stories that are uncut, funny, relatable, and of course, gay from a lesbian's perspective. That's right. Brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. And handpicking the talent from HBCUs, I mean, it's well overdue. So kudos, kudos to Macro and Beast by Dre. Can't wait for that. Comedian Wyatt Cenac is set to team up with Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios for a new multi-year exclusive overall deal. Sanak is also set to assist on other projects alongside the studios. The comedian currently serves as executive producer on Looney Tunes. What do we think, Jameer? That's, I mean, that's major, especially like, first of all, Wyatt is very funny. A black man, as some of you might not know, to have a black comedian serve as as that. And you talk about the long lineage of, of Looney Tunes. That's, a, that's a, an incredible achievement. And to and to have somebody strike a multi-million dollar, well, I'm not counting his paper, I don't know, but it sounds like he got a little <laughs> you know. But, you know, to have right. somebody do a multi-year deal uh, of that caliber with Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network, the slew of, of newness and, and authenticity that could come from that uh, could, you know, really do ripple effects for generations to come as far as representation. I'm excited. Yeah. I could be a little bit too. And lastly, tennis superstar Naomi Osaka, my girl, has pledged to donate her prize money from an upcoming tournament to the victims of the recent earthquake that struck Haiti. Osaka, along with other celebrities like Cardi B, are rallying for the support of Haitian earthquake victims. Considering the gravity of the situation in Haiti, this is so dope, right, Jameer? Absolutely. Like, of course, like yeah. the situation, the magnitude of the situation is uh is incredible and so sad but i I will say that i've been so impressed by naomi's uh poise and uh her just standing on her platform to Mm -hmm. say no i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do or be who you tell me to be actually i'm gonna be authentically who i am she's making me proud just to be somebody who is black but also I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine the example that she's setting for so many uh, young women and just people in general who look up to her. Like, incredible right. feat. And um, salute to her. Yeah. Salute to her. And Huge heart. And Cardi. I mean, Cardi mm-hmm. has, has definitely always been the type to speak up, speak out, use her platform as well. Um, so applaud both of them for continuing to do the work. And Naomi is just, you know, a profound, beautiful young woman, the way in which she paces herself and uses not only her head, but also her heart to make really sound decisions is just beautiful and really inspiring to see. And lest we not forget, Haiti just, you know, experienced the assassination of their president, not only just a month ago. 
Um, so it just seems like it's just back to back to back um, circumstances just hitting, you know, my hometown, my home culture. Um, but we are resilient and we will pick back up after this. And so much thanks and gratitude to people like Naomi and Cardi for continuing the work in the ways in which they can. So kudos to them. Thank you so much, Jameer, for joining me. We will definitely have to do this again. I know Jurassic is over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, was, it was a pleasure being here with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, up next, Rodney Rakai moderates an important conversation about kids heading back to school with a roundtable of educators. Stick around. More Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News, I'm Rodney Rakai. So every so often we have conversations that really intersect with my personal life and allow me the opportunity to inform myself and learn key information. So as a single father of a 13 year old boy who is desperate to get back in the classroom because he is tired of my foot up his ass 24 seven, I have a slew of questions about his safety in regards to in-person learning in the wake of COVID. So educating myself as well as all of you out there today is Dr. Steve Perry, head of schools at Capital Prep, and behavior specialist down in Broward County, Florida, Terrence McCorvey. Black men, first and foremost, how are you? I'm having the time of my life, brother. How about you? I'm solid. I'm solid. I'm doing, doing well, getting ready for a new school year. We're getting ready to see the kids. So my son is 13. He's at that age that allows him to be vaccinated. But for children that are 12 and under, that is not the case. So it would seem like the best and really only line of defense for them is wearing a mask. But then you have states like Florida and Texas, which have been outliers throughout the entire pandemic, that have executive orders to ban masks in schools. So I want to ask, is there a reasonable argument that either of you have heard as to why masks should not be mandated in all schools everywhere? I'm not. Um, Listen, in this case, we're talking about something that can at least mitigate the impact of COVID. And if it can, like if this, if it can, why not wear it? It's aggravating to me. I mean, I got mine right here, right? I'm in the schools. I don't want children to get sick. I don't want my colleagues to get sick. It's a solvable problem. Uh, And sadly, and and I do mean this sadly, we have so politicized the conversation around COVID. The CDC director uh, took it upon herself to invite the teachers union in to rewrite the regulations in order to return to school, which has nothing to do with science. It has to do with something completely different. So sadly, um, parents and, and, and many people in the community want to know what they should or shouldn't do, and they don't know who to depend on because both sides have led them astray. And Terrence, definitely want to hear your perspective on this, being that you're down in Florida. I'm lucky to be in Broward County where our school board mandated that all that all students and staff must wear masks. So I am lucky to be in a county that, that has mandated it. It's about our kids' safety. It's about getting our kids. And if it's minimally minimally more safe for them to be on with masks on campus with masks why not just do that yeah yeah so i went to register my my son for school today and um, i presented him i presented the school with his immunization records and he is not up to date so i'm in the process of making sure that all of his shots are taken care of we have an appointment literally today in about two hours now vaccinations have always been required to attend school unless presented with a medical or religious excuse. 
Do either of you see there being a scenario in which a child must be COVID vaccinated in order to be an in-person student? And what are the arguments for and against this? If, if the law presents you with the option for that, then so be it. But you also have to understand that this organization also has an obligation to uphold the, the larger group. So if you don't want that, again, I'm a school choice advocate. You should be able to go to whatever school you want to go to. You and the other folks who don't want to get vaccinated should be able to be in that space. I, I'm for that. But there are rules. Just imagine how many great ideas, great thinkers, and great artists could have died at childbirth if they were not vaccinated. Think of what we could lose by not doing what's necessary to be vaccinated. I, I hate that we're here. It's just dumb. At public schools, we need to take care, make sure we're taking care of the public safety. And that doesn't mean just taking care of me. That means taking care of the people I go home to every day. So many of us are saying, well, the Tuskegee experiment, we don't trust the government. But you will call the cops, though, if somebody does something in your neighborhood. So you do trust the government. Stop playing. Well, I don't want to just put anything in my body. The Advil you took and some of those other medications, they make the same stuff. So the same people and processes that make the same things that you already put in your body made this. And the same governmental agencies that approve those things approve this. So stop playing yourself. I mean, we have a whole generation of kids who have never had the chicken pox. They didn't have the chicken pox parties. They don't know about the calamine lotion. They don't know about the oatmeal baths. Listen, man, on the heels of California making it mandatory for all school employees to either provide proof of vaccination or submit weekly tests, do we foresee other districts and states following suit? Oh, yeah. It's no choice. You absolutely are going to have to do it. It's not even a discussion. It's not if. This, this thing is done. And you can compare it to Nazi Germany if you want, which it's not. You can compare it to slavery, which it's not. It is. Scientists have proven that if you take this vaccination, you will have a better probability of living. Now, it's not the only thing. If you lose weight, if you don't have any pre-existing conditions, right? If you do these things too, then, then yeah, you have a higher uh, survival rate. But this conversation is done, except for a couple outlier states. We love y'all, Florida, but y'all on something different. Y'all do things that the rest was like, damn, Florida, you mess it up for everybody. Sometimes I rub my head and say, ah, only Florida. Well, let's talk about the teachers who are criminally underpaid on average. Let me just add that. You know, how are they feeling amidst all the challenges? And what's the best way for them to advocate for themselves? We're up for the challenge. We want to see our kids be successful. And we know that we can be a steadying influence in our kids' lives. Um, working with emotionally behavioral disturbed children, it's emotionally taxing. But we are some of the only stability in our children's lives. I work with a 100% special education population. So we're already tired, overworked, overstretched. That being said, we understand that what we provide to our kids is hard to provide with fidelity at a virtual level. So we, we want to be in schools. We want to be around our kids. We want to do it. We just want to do it safely. You know, what are some things that parents, students, teachers, and school staff should know or prepare for coming into this school year with so much uncertainty hovering above us all? For me, just some practical stuff. Send your kid with more than one mask. They undoubtedly drop them on the ground, take them off their face. By the end of the day, if you look at your kid's mask, it's gross. We're all feeling our way through the dark on this one. Um, as soon as the rules are handed out by our respective states, we're in two states, we're in Connecticut and New York. As soon as the rules are handed out by the state, almost that quickly, 
they change. This is a once, hopefully, in a, in a generation experience, and no one has answers. So we just got to be patient with one another. Nobody's trying, no one that I'm in, in um, contact with uh, is trying to hurt children or adults or what have you. And I'll also say uh, to my colleagues in education, we got into this, I, I got into this because I love kids, and I'm proud of my community, and I believe that our children are the dopest kids on earth and I think that they have capacity untold our children need us man especially the I don't, whatever your faith is but for me I learned that the least among us should be first and when you have children many of whom are special needs uh, 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 in school systems that literally were never designed to teach them to read write and compute and you're being paid to be among those people who do that then do it do it, damn it, like, like your life depends on it, because these children's lives do. Well said. Very well said. Dr. Steve Perry, Terrence McCorby, thank you both for joining, and joining me and having this conversation. Very important, very informative and insightful for myself. I, I'm literally, the last two days, have been super stressed about all of these things regarding my son going to school. So, you know, thank you for, for giving me some reassurance, some advice, the, two, the multiple mask thing. I'm definitely making sure he has multiple masks. We appreciate you both for doing everything that you do. Ebony, my sister, back to you. Rodney and panel, thank y'all so much for that important and informative conversation. As our kids head back to school, we needed that. All right, now today, it's been a heavy episode, but that is because it is a heavy time right now in the world. And with all the problems going on, we can't get bogged down, y'all. We can't get stuck in the obstacles. Now, I know it's a big ask because a lot of these obstacles, they look insurmountable, but we cannot just do nothing. So we've got to do what we always do, and that's look for solutions. In fact, we know that's the whole reason that Revolt Black News was created. So earlier in the episode, we spent a lot of time talking about Haiti, the problems that the country is facing, and we gave y'all some resources, but we're about to give you some more because that's what this show does. So please, y'all, check out these links. Give what you can. Be sure to share these links on your social media. I know it's a lot, but remember, we said that structures are breaking. We didn't say that they've broken. So that means we got to do what we can while there is still time. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows 
from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.